Are you going to be able to farm this year? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be able to farm. <laughs> Is your corn just messed up or? No, we're, uh, I would say we're going to probably run between, uh, you know, some spots are going to be a hundred, you know, a hundred bushels of the acre and some are going to be 200 and we're going to see what the hell happens out there and what we bring in beans. We're guessing 40 to 50 bushels an acre, which we didn't, we got more rain down there than we did not see go. So things look a little better down by us than they do up by Otsego in the sand country. You guys are all clay. Obviously. Clay and black dirt. <clears throat> You can tell when you get outside of this area, like by a 10-mile radius, it gets way better. Yeah. All by where I'm at. I'm in the sand, a little bit of clay, but mostly sand, and it's not holding water at all. Drive about, I don't know, six, seven miles to the west, and everything looks way better. Yeah. Are you guys irrigated? Nope. No? Nice. Well, at least you're, you guys are getting something out of it, though. Right. I thought it was pretty good. I was walking through it this morning, and you had plenty out there. Oh, plenty. Yeah, big farmer. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is about uh, 500 a bushel. Yeah. <laughs> Reese went out and scouted for uh, some teal and ducks this morning to see what he could find. So, Count how many bean, bean plants or pods are on each uh, plant. No. <laughs> Not dedicated. Too much work. <laughs> when are you normally combine? Now I kind of want to talk a little farming. So you, when do you normally combine beans? When do you normally combine corn? Beans would be towards the end of September, you know, first week, October, pretty typical around here. And then corn, honestly, it's just going to depend. Usually let it dry down in the field as much as you can so you don't have to use dryer gas. So, I mean, mid-October, early October, depending on, you know, if it's raining or muddy or what the forecast looks like. So, Have you ever just not combined because it was so wet? They've left it in the field as long as they can. I mean, you can dry it. we got a dryer at home, so we can dry our corn. But, I mean, I know Dad's combined in the snow a few times, so. It's one nice thing about the corn. At least your ears are high enough up. You can usually get at it. I've right. seen, I've seen a lot of people leave it till winter. I've seen a lot of people leave it until spring sometimes. I just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. A lot of times it falls over by then, you know, and stocks get weak. and Right. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Border Outdoors podcast. I'm Mac. I am Tim. And we have fan favorites. Brotherhood, Brotherhood hunting. hunting. <laughs> <laughs> we got Nick and Reese back today to talk a little waterfall hunting a little deer hunting and then uh yeah that's that's about it we got a nice season coming it's kind of cooling down we've gotten some rain now um everything's looking up from here for the most part unless we get a fire around here which i think we're okay now so far so far things are good Things for us have been uh, pretty interesting this spring. We started off shooting geese earlier earlier than anybody else, I'll tell you that. So <laughs> Yeah. But before we get to that, I do have to say that we did get a fan question. His name is Nick Virgin. He's a big listener of the podcast, and he had a question about he's looking at acquiring some deer hunting land up north around like the Effie area. And he's wondering if it's too late to plant a food plot or if it's even pretty much worth it, or what, you know, he should do. So the only thing, I don't know if you guys could weigh in on this, Nick being a farmer, and Reese, you're a pretty, pretty avid bow hunter, but a lot of state land kind of stuff. And Tim, you're a hay farmer and a cow farmer. Hay farmer. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the only thing I, I can really say is that 
on a normal year when you have like good moisture in the ground, I've always heard you want to plant mostly everything by Labor Day. Um, a lot, a lot of brassicas. You can get some clover to come in. Um, radishes. What what else is there? Winter wheat. Yeah, or winter rye. Or winter rye. Um, I've always heard brassicas is kind of a really like good late season deer hunting, but I kind of talked to him a little bit before and said that. If you haven't really bought the land, it's kind of hard if you just buy it and then try to plant something right away because you don't know what, like, all the soil, pH, all that stuff is. Isn't your brother kind of deal with something like that? Yeah, my brother's an agronomist for Centrosota. Um, yeah, it depends on your soil's pH, how much moisture you got up there, what kind of, you know, if you got clay or black dirt or sand, what you're planting in. Uh, it can be a lot of different factors. Plus, you know, you got to make sure it's clear cut and you can mm-hmm. get equipment in there and you know, get that grass down, either spray it, kill it somehow, you know, work the dirt somehow, till it. I think he said it was a, there was like a five acre field that he wanted to put a food plot in. Oh, he's, he's planning on planting the whole five acre field then. Yeah. That's what it sounded like when I kind of was texting back and forth. Um, so there's a lot he could do with that then. Yeah. Especially in the spring. Cause I've heard like a lot of people that they plant like clover all the time like in the like right away in the spring and all summer and they like replant it to keep the deer coming back and then like what did you say who was who it Han, Han, hans 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 yeah. <laughs> him and his dad they have some land out west a little bit uh they do i think they do clover at the beginning of the year and then they overseed it i think they did it like two weeks ago with the winter rye and then they also just planted their brassica too yeah, I've I've always heard, like I said I've always heard really good things about brassica because something with the the first frost and then like something with the sugars come up from the roots and then go in the leaflets and the deer just go crazy for it. When yep. they eat, they eat all the leaves on top too, and then they eat. They can pull up the bulbs and eat those like the turnips, radishes, like beets maybe. And sometimes if they eat off the the greens off the top, sometimes those will regrow too if they don't get at the bulbs. But yeah. eventually they're going to dig into the bulbs. And I was going to weigh in too a little bit. Um, one thing about planting the radishes and the turnips and things like that, if they don't get into those bulbs and you have some kind of harder soil, you start you're, you start off with hard soil, you obviously tilled it up. Um, it'll help you kind of maintain your soil and aerate it too because some of that stuff that they're not going to get at will actually start to... Um, you know, rot in the ground, it'll give you a little bit of fertilizer for later on and also help aerate the ground. So I would have to say if you're going to be planting something like right around now, yeah, August to September, you, you want to get something in the ground. This year has been a hard year with all the lack of rain. Uh, sounds like you're up, up north a little ways. Seems like, I don't know, when I watch a forecast, I see a lot of rain coming through that way, but I would probably kind of lean towards the radishes and uh brassica just for the fact that it'll hopefully come up quicker um at least for this year what were what are deer like up in northern minnesota because like you don't want to plant like something that they're not going to eat something that they're kind of used to because i've heard people that they bring like sugar beets back from here and like deer don't touch them because they they're, they don't know they what don't, they are don't know what they are they're not used to eating them yep so like up there it'd probably be, be your clover and I'm guessing turnips and brassicas. Yeah. Yeah. So and if you got in early enough, you could always do corn or soybeans as well. And you always could. Yeah. So. All righty. Well, let's go back on the waterfall hunting. So you guys, Nick, you said you guys went out and you shot geese earlier than a lot of people. Where'd you go? How'd you do? 
Well, with that story starts a little earlier. That was uh, we planted beans this spring, and there was a pond full of uh, goslings and adult geese, and they had ended up eating off about five acres of our soybeans. And so we actually, my dad uh, met with a DNR officer out there, and they gave us a permit to take uh, twenty-five geese through a management license that the DNR issues. Um, so you can take twenty-five at a time. They recommend shooting the adults first. Um, so they told us. We went out there the first day. They were out there. We had quite the experience. Um, <laughs> we did shoot two. We did get two. Adults. Yeah. We were out. Uh, we looked like some hillbillies. We were running around <laughs> County Road 11 with shotguns in our hand along the tar road. And lo and behold, the police chief stopped us oh. with his lights on and goes, what the hell are you guys doing out here? <laughs> We're running across the road with shotguns trying to get these geese, and Reese is talking to the police chief, and I'm still trying to shoot the geese. There's only two left there, and uh, luckily, you know, he we, he understood after we explained to him the permit and what we were doing out there and the damage the geese had done, so he let us go, and then we spent about three, four days trying to chase them things to get them, you know, make sure they're on the land and whatnot, and we ended up getting... Uh, you know, we did shoot the 25 full permit. Uh, we shot 25, some goslings and adults. And the crappy part is they won't let you harvest the meat. The DNR won't. You said to throw it away. You have to yeah, bury you it. You got to bury it on really? site. Yep. So we brought Can't the skid out and we had to bury all that meat, which kind of sucked because as hunters, you know, ethically you want to use that meat somehow. Right. Yep. So. Is it like not any good or they just, because then they can't track where you got it. Like, uh, like you know, they. I think they just don't want you benefiting from it because it's for management purposes. It's just to get them out of your field. <laughs> so it's not supposed to be like a sport. Yeah, because they caused, I mean, thousands of dollars worth of damage right off the bat, eating all the beans. Luckily, they kind of came back. We just went out there about a week ago, and, you know, we had do have some beans that came back from that, but they did a lot of damage, and, you know, it's just kind of a kind of a cool thing. I mean, you can't – who can say they shot geese, and when was that, like April, May, May? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But none of them are banded because those are usually the ones that are banded. Is that <laughs> no, and some of them are pretty small. <laughs> oh yeah, they must have been like just born. Did they even have nah, like they were? They had their color. Oh, they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they had their color maybe like a week before we got to them. Yeah, but they couldn't fly. The babies couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bad. Well, they were causing damage. It was like uh, kind of like Yellowstone. You take them to the train station. So. <laughs> we sent Rip. So you didn't try to plead with the uh, DNR to say, hey, I want some of my beans back that these have been eaten, so I'm going to take the meat too? I wish. I wish it worked like that. But no, they. Uh, and then they never came back. The great thing was is we only had to go out there and shoot them that one time, and then they stayed off. So we got a permit oh. again for another 25, so we could have harvested up to 50. But we never saw him do any more damage again, which is at least great. They got the message. So. Yeah. Does your dad have to jump through hoops to do that? Like pictures, all it's documentation. So uh, we had to fill out like a PDF form documenting how many geese when they were taken. You know how many adults versus gosling stuff like that. But so. like to get the permit, I uh, just had to meet the DNR officer on site. He goes, "This oh. is the worst I've seen all year." He said, "I've never seen something like this this year." So. Oh. Hmm. And you give them a list of shooters. So there's only X amount of people that can go out there. And what, shoot off that permit. Is there a max amount you can have? I don't know if there's like 10 slots maybe or something. But yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it's my brother, Reese, and uh, my dad, myself. So, But they always leave it at a quantity of 25? Yep. So okay. you can't go too crazy. Right. Hmm. That's so. pretty cool. I never, I think you said something a while ago about it and I completely forgot. That's, I never knew that. I always kind of wondered what happened with 
you know, the cornfields or bean fields and all that when the geese come in and just, just, you always hear people talking about how they just destroy everything. Right. And it's kind of an ethical full circle deal. I mean, we're all hunters here, you know, everyone who listens to, I mean, it's not like we went out there and enjoyed it, but they were causing damage and we were losing money. I mean, it was just a, it was interesting. I mean, not many people can say they shot geese that early. So, so more or less you guys weren't hunting. You were actually farming. You're taking, you're taking care of your land. Farming, you're killing. Yeah, basically, your you're just straight murking yeah. geese. <laughs> well, I thought maybe ethical way would be saying while we're farming. Yeah, <laughs> I think that sounds better. Do it makes you feel better. <laughs> Poor farmers. <laughs> Get special permits to shoot out of season. Yeah, <laughs> can't take the meat though. So. Yeah, that that's weird. That's just I don't know. I find that just really goofy. It's just waste, but whatever, I guess. And then you guys just went and. Where'd you go, North Dakota? Yep. So we went to southeastern North Dakota, and uh, Reese can speak to a little more. It was his. It was my first time. It was his second year out there, so I'll let him talk about that. Yeah, we went out there for opener this year, which was the fifteenth, I think. Um. Uh, we went out there, and it was so season didn't open until Sunday. Uh, we got out there Friday night. Which day? Sunday, the fifteenth. The fifteenth. Oh, uh, sorry. So. So we got out there Friday, and then that gave us all of Saturday to start scouting and kind of look around. Found a, a bunch of geese. I mean, there's definitely plenty of geese out there. Everybody keeps saying that there's not water out there, but that was not what we saw. There was every little pond. There might have been like one or two little ponds that were kind of dried up, but everything else was full and full of birds. And we ended up getting a decent field for opener on Sunday. And it just worked out where all the birds would come right over us, and they wanted to land in a different spot of the field. And it just, I think we only had three or four groups that came that first morning, and it just didn't work out. We ended up getting stopped by the DNR, and they told us that that was pretty common out there that early. A lot of the geese like to land away because they're still kind of family-oriented, and just happened to not work out for us that so they just don't want to fly into other flocks they just stick to whatever their family is and then go somewhere else or like what do you pretty mean? much so they'll they don't like to land in groups they'll walk into groups but they like to land kind of maybe like 50 100 yards off and then they'll walk in because they're still i don't know what it is but they just like to stay within their family groups well how many how many is in a family group i guess i don't know if you guys even is it like 20 30 uh, 10 it was probably like 10 to 25 maybe so i mean they're still decent sized groups so maybe there it might be like two family groups in mm-hmm. a group that was coming in but yeah for the most part they would fly right over we we got sick of it and then the next group that came in flew right over the decoys we shot we only got one <laughs> <laughs> out of 20 or please say like five it was a small family nah, it was like 12 15 or oh. so well, it was the first, were, first shoot of the they year. Were, they were cooking. It was like 15-mile-an-hour winds, and they were coming with the wind. Mm-hmm. So they were flying right through, and then they'd go down past us about 100 yards, turn around, and look like they're going to come right to us, and then they'd dip off into a different side of the field. So, like, did you guys try to set up your decoys differently for that? Or, does, like, would you – so if you go do it all over again, would you set up, like, a bunch of small family groups and then have, like, some that look like they're, like, walking in? Do they walk in, like, straight lines? I don't know, yeah. like like ducks? When we saw them, a lot of them were kind of in a single file line, and they're all facing into the wind when they're sitting in the fields. I don't know if they're nervous or what it was, 
but we did i think we changed our spread twice that morning and we were sitting it's kind of like a little bit of a low spot and then we had the decoys on the hill and we kind of put the decoys further off the hill so that way if they wanted to land on top of the hill i suppose walking into the wind means it's easy easy escape like you said if they're nervous and they want to get out of there they can just pretty much just jump up and but that was every field even if we weren't hunting just driving around scouting there'd be i don't know 15 20 birds out there and all of them facing the wind like we thought they were someone else's decoys because like they were all facing the wind it looked like something out of a freaking movie it was crazy like all their heads just facing right into the wind they're all looking the exact same way and, and they, barely moving too and barely feeding barely moving yeah it was really weird so do you have to set up your blinds like behind your spread different so that they're like flying over you and we, landing like you know we set up for like a cross shoot so we we're if you're looking right out in front of our blind most of the decoys were to the left to the left and out in front of us okay and we actually moved round bales by each other to give us a little bit more of a backdrop and uh try to conceal ourselves a little bit more it was a cut wheat field that had kind of grown up with some oats in it like some fresh green oats were in it so but did you have a hard time concealing your guys yourself like was there a lot of you know wheat around that you could grass yourselves in or was it just because there's 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 quite a bit so there's kind of in the low spots green stuff had come back up and it was maybe a foot and a half maybe two feet tall so i mean it's pretty tall stuff and then right where we set the decoys everything was cut it was just bound to two or three inches Hmm. it's nothing too tall so did you just get one the whole weekend 1200 miles one goose yeah (laughs) who shot it I think Reese did, honestly. So, we, yeah, we think we all fired at some geese. It wasn't an ideal shoot. Yep. Um, we learned a lot. I mean, to be honest, we probably wouldn't go. The DNR officer said, you know, you're two weeks too early. He told us that straight up when he saw us in town. And, uh, you know, learning what we did, I think uh, Reese has had another buddy go out there, same area this last weekend, and he ended up doing well, didn't he, Reese? Yeah, he did pretty good. And he shot a tarsal band. A tarsal band? Yeah, the, the plastic ones. Never heard of it. They're yeah. Is it on the go on their leg like a normal band? Yep. So on this one, there was a metal band on the one foot, and then I think that's called a tarsal band. It's a plastic one. Is that just the new thing they started doing? Is the plastic or I? This one, I think you said it was banded in Nebraska. Why would they do? What's the difference between a regular and a tarsal band? I'm not sure. I just like kind of out east, they do neck collars. So it's just kind of different. Just a different kind of band? Yeah. Probably more rare than than most. Yeah, they're pretty rare. Oh, yeah. That's that's a big band. It almost looks like a neck band. Yeah, it's kind of like... It's just like a huge, wide... Yeah, just a big plastic. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I never even heard of that. I'll have to look in to see if there's a difference. Or, I, or Seth probably knows. Probably. He knows, <laughs> he knows everything. That, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's just the answer. Right. But I mean, it was still fun to get out. We, you know, had a good time. It's it's all about just getting out with friends and, you know, putting the blinds out again, putting the decoys out and trying different things. And, you know, it's it's just getting back out is a big thing. So Sorry, the dog is being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys hear clicking in the background, it's uh, Rev's paws. He won't yeah. sit still. No, he's too excited. How many guys did you guys bring out there? We had four guys total. Four of you? Mm-hmm. And then uh, did you just camp, like, in a, a motel or did you get tent or? Yeah, we stayed in a motel, so it was actually nice to go back every night, and it was hot as heck. It was, like, 95 or something we were hunting during the day. Uh, Monday was 98. Yeah. It was hot. 
So it was warm out there. So it'd be able to go back, sit in the AC, shower, and then go out and scout at night. I mean, the first morning we were too excited. We woke up at freaking 2 a.m. on the first morning to get out there, and we didn't need to. It's so big in North Dakota, Minnesota. We're used to fighting over, you know, public land or something. Yep. You got to get out. You got to be the first one out there. Well, opener out there, like there's, it's so vast and it's so open that we didn't even hear. We heard maybe one gunshot. Yeah, everything morning. was way off in the distance. Yeah, it's crazy. And then no, you know, we're used to like you grow up and you can't go on someone's land around here and out there if it's not posted you just drive wherever you want all over hell mm-hmm. that'd be hard to get used to that Isn't, yeah because yeah. you mentioned before you guys were in that field and you had hay bales and you moved them around so i'm assuming those are just small square bales right no they were round bales oh, you, yeah. really <laughs> so you just started rolling them around or yeah, what? you pushed a, well, it there, was like 15 yards there was two yeah. that were pretty close to each other so we just kind of moved it around a little bit we didn't have to push it all the way across the field or anything all right yeah, because when I first imagined this, I'm like, okay, yeah, probably round bales. You someone brought a tractor out there and moved them for you or whatever. Now it sounds like you're just trespassing some guy's <laughs> land and you're moving hay bales around. Right. Yeah, it's just different. You know, growing up on the farm and stuff, you know, too, Tim. It's just you always respected other people's land. And, you know, if someone came on your land, like, who the f is that? You know, you yeah, get absolutely. all pissed off. So. Yep. Well, and a lot of that land is um, posted for like deer hunting. Yeah. So if you're going there earlier in the year, and I don't know when their deer hunting season is, but if you get there in September-ish when opener is, you ask permission, a lot of people will say yes because their deer hunting so far away, it isn't going to matter. So when they post it for deer hunting, does that have a different sign then? No, no, no. It's same the same thing, thing okay. but a lot of people just post it for deer hunting. And, and you then, just have to, a lot of time they have their name and number on their on the sign. There you, you go. You can give them a call and they'll be like, oh, you're waterfall hunting. Sure, go for it. Okay. And a lot of it is like like town oriented because they're all small towns so they'll ask you oh where are you staying and if you say i'm staying at this motel here or whatever they're like oh you're helping the community yeah you can hunt it or it's not just some joe schmo coming out there and staying you know wherever but yeah it's interesting and then shout out to on x too i mean was it just this year north dakota get electronically post or was that yep. last year first year i think it's this year and so on x had like everyone who posted online too, like incorporated in the on x app what do so you like, mean it's so, like colored red on the Onyx map. You know, it has everyone's name and yeah. who owns it. They have they can electronically post it online. Like they can submit something to the state, and then you have to like go to a separate website if you're not using Onyx. You need to look if it's posted or not on the state website. But Onyx consolidated that to their app, and so oh, it was really that's, slick. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just pretty much have it look at your phone and be like, this field's red, this one's green red green or whatever yep so new for north dakota this year they can either physically post it like with the signs or they can electronically post it so you have to look on there to make sure that even if it's not posted physically it might be electronically posted that's pretty cool and that's that's good for like scouting wise when you're here like at home when you're looking at your trip and trying to find an area you want to go if you want to be by water and there's a field right there that's not posted yeah it helps a lot I kind of wish Minnesota did something like that, but we can't just go to any field and <laughs> shoot. What's crazy out there is we look at some sections of land or something. I mean, someone might own a thousand acres, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when the geese are landing, like the big field, like Reese is saying, it's funny around here, you think of like an 80 acre field or a 40 acre field. That's a big field. But the field we were hunting was like 600 acres. So, like when the geese were landing far away, I mean, they were like several hundred yards away. <laughs> like it was pretty nuts. So they're on the other side of the freaking country, it seemed like. Yeah. So is it ethical to go out there in like a truck and drive right through the field and everything? So that's they're cool with that. And 
yeah, it was, uh, you know, if it's muddy or something, I think you kind of got to be respectful and not make big ruts and right. compact that soil. But it was dry, and, yeah, the guys just drive right out there, and you kind of just leave no trace, pick up your shells, yep. be respectful, you know, throw your blind grass and, like, a, you know, the tall grass or the swamp. Don't just leave in the middle of the field, you know, for that farmer. And Yeah, that's crazy. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this because, like I said, as a farmer, it's you don't touch anyone else's land, and especially their field. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So would you go? would you guys go back out there next year again? Go a couple weeks later, I think so. I think so. It was. I mean, this is Reese's second year. That your first year, they shot what thirty some birds or something. So I mean, we were all excited to shoot a bunch of geese. Um, yeah, first year was a lot better, but we went out. I think that was second weekend of September. No, it was this last weekend. It was the second weekend of season because I went camp with my family at the end of August, and you went out to. Oh sure, well, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, the DNR was right about two weeks later. Two weeks later, perfect. But he was saying, he said that we're too early because the birds come up from South Dakota, which I didn't understand that. He was saying all the birds from South Dakota haven't come up yet. But I thought it would be the other way, Canada. Come down, yeah. yeah. That's a, Well, that's what I've always been told. Yeah, but, I mean, crazy. He lives out there and he's a DNR. He probably knows more than us. So. <laughs> Unless they stop and roost to make their way north before coming back, back down. down. Yeah, I don't know. Reese, you should uh, tell the listeners about your um, experience at the DNR in North Dakota last year. Just a listener tip. Well, this year was good. <laughs> this year is a quick check the license and we're, and we're done. No, last year we had a, a run in at the motel and we had the birds breasted out. He can't do that. Well, actually, he got us for not labeling the bags. So we had the bags of meat and you had to have, I think, his name, license number, bird quantity and date it was killed we didn't have anything and you have to leave the wing right yeah you have to leave a wing on for but transport we, yeah yeah so we did we weren't transporting at the time so he couldn't give us a ticket for it so you're just eating like if if or i guess transport you mean if like you were driving across north dakota to go home yeah so if it's in your vehicle you, you have to have at least a wing mm-hmm. and yeah we did not we did not have any of that but we got a where well, we used a bird hitch this year only for one but <laughs> they work really good. They're sweet. Yeah, they did they. Uh, I remember the old ones. You needed to beef up a little bit for geese because they because a, a goose that's a that's a lot of pulling power. And I know for ducks they work awesome. When we used to go out there a long time ago, but I I don't know. I don't know whoever whoever made that up. They're freaking genius, right? Yeah, we used it for the one. It had a broken wing, which made it a little tough, but. All in all, it worked out pretty. The good news is, is the ticket was only fifty dollars for Reese, and he learned yeah. a lesson. So, it just make sure you know your local uh, rules and regs before you guys go out on any well, out of state trips. We knew it. We just we didn't have a bird. So hitch. you knew you're doing wrong. Maybe <laughs> we didn't have a bird hitch, and we were, we tried the first one, and I was like, I'm not doing 19 birds like this. I can't do it. Oh yeah, like I remember, like because that thing pulls the guts. And everything right out, and it just leaves the Leave. feathers on the breast, right? Yep. And then you just pull that off, and then you got the wing, and you're good. Yep. So you just pull it off. Sometimes you gotta use a knife to get through some of the skin to get the feathers off, and then just clip one of the wings, and good to go. And then you have to throw that in a bag. Yep. Throw it in a bag, and then you have to label the bag. Yeah, with all the stuff you said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, well, are you guys planning to make a trip out there this fall? You know, at this point, there's no plans in the in, in the books yet. It's kind of I always like to wait on harvest, make sure the you know the beans are off and the corn's off and the tillage is done, and then then you can kind of go. It's yeah. kind of you kind of get obligated into the staying around when you 
grew up on the farm so yeah so are you guys uh gonna do the early teal season we are it is a big weekend here in minnesota with the early teal season and uh opener goose for early goose so saturday morning we'll be out somewhere in wright county trying to shoot something so like do you think it's a good idea to have the early teal season you know like seth had mentioned earlier and some people have said like i think you just got to make damn sure you know what you're shooting and that's anytime you hunt but just i think you got to be extra cautious this year the dnr is going to be looking for people to screw up Mm -hmm. so i think they're gonna really be hard on every hunter who's out there on public water especially you know, and, and they have a good, I mean, it's a good point. Don't shoot something unless you identified it. I know Reese just told me tonight uh, when we were eating supper that, uh, well, you said teal, you have to wait now. Yeah, so teal, for teal season, normally for waterfall, you can shoot half hour before sunrise. And now for teal, you have to shoot at sunrise. So you get an extra 30 minutes, lighten up, you should be able to identify birds a lot easier. Because I know there's there's been some time, especially if it's cloudy out and you're shooting half hour before sunrise, it can be a little bit more difficult to... Mm-hmm. see what you're shooting at or identify them but yeah i think that'll be good i don't know if a lot of people know that so you might be hearing a lot of shots half hour before sunrise but <laughs> I, was, I was i was talking to seth about it and i was like why don't they just push it back till seven o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever and so that you can see it but it sounds like they did that yeah i think that was a good move on their part um you know i think it's gonna be i think it'll be a lot of people out this year i think it's just a covid made everyone you know kind of want to get outside again and revitalize the outdoors so i think it's going to be a lot of hunters out this weekend we'll see we're hoping to try a a public piece of water on on saturday morning and then maybe a private pond sunday and see how how that works out so getting on that what's your guys so you said it's a big weekend labor day weekend early teal early goose what's your guys's have you been like prepping for this for like a month like or what have you guys been doing to get ready you've been watching a bunch of like goose hunting videos and getting jacked but i mean you did just go to north dakota we got super depressed in north dakota (laughs) we're like we can't do any worse yeah and it's a shorter drive here so right at least you don't have to be so sad and you drive an hour back to the hotel (laughs) it uh you know getting ready you know there's not a whole lot we kind of like you said with north dakota we had prepped we brought all our land spread and water spread for geese out to north dakota with anticipation of if we need to hunt water we can so we brought the John boat out and all our decoys and whatnot. So everything's ready to go. Um, for teal, I think, what are we going to run for a spread this weekend? Are we just running your six teal decoys? Probably just six teal, yeah. Uh, and six teal and some goose floaters. That's something you probably don't want to put a ton of ton of decoys out, just little small pockets here and there. Now do you have to deal with the family stuff here in Minnesota for early goose? Uh, probably not for early goose. I don't think so. I mean, you you still want to do some family groups, but I mean, it's three weeks later than when we were goose hunting in North Dakota. So the, the birds come down, I think the molts are starting to come down or they should be starting to come down and they group up and then kind of family stuff. So it's kind of over after that. Molts. What's a molt? Uh, so they're geese that don't breed and... Or they have a failed nest and they fly north and they go molt. So molting is they get rid of their flight feathers. So they go up into the tundra, I think it is, way up in Canada. They go up there, they have a bunch of food, some fields and stuff like that. They eat there and they wait till they get their flight feathers back and then they fly back down. So those should be coming through 
I think it's like second week of September they start rolling through. I know, yeah, I've heard the term, but yeah, I, I didn't know what it was. That was like an actual like question. Like I had no idea what oh, the hell yeah. that was. <laughs> yeah, and then so geese don't. I don't think they nest until they're three years old. So then all those geese from last year, so the one and a half year olds, they fly straight north. So like when so they lose their their flying feathers. Is their that because feathers, they're yeah. so young? No, all or, of them do it, and ducks do it too. Do they really? Yeah. So it's just a stage of their life. They're not the rejects. Yeah, no, it's just, that's just, they grow new feathers. So they, like, you know how they turn over from kind of like they're brown, all they're brown right now. And then later in the season, they get all their color. Yep. So those are non-flight feathers. Those are just pin feathers and colored feathers. Is that why there's always such a lull, like in the season? Or is when do they molt? They molt during the summer. Yeah. So they should be finishing up right now. Or they're, they should be done already. And then they just pretty much just sit in ponds and, and feed until they get their feathers like you yep they just go up there's i forgot what it's called up there but it's like a big tundra area and they they all just go up there and must be limited predators and enough food for them biologist i, I had no idea like i duck hunted for how long <laughs> i had no idea yeah no it's super cool i mean when you actually get into the you know full picture of everything and how it all works i mean it's it's pretty neat how these stupid animals they think are so dumb and like their life cycle and how smart they actually are and i mean it's nuts well you always hear about the the big green heads that you always have like the different waves of ducks that come from up north when like with the cold snaps and all that stuff but then like you get them big ones that are they sit around like the, the mississippi river all winter and those things are just big and fat and those are like th- those are the ones you freeze your ass off to shoot because they're so pretty yeah and the greater geese i mean the big bastards the graders yeah some of those can get giant i didn't i don't think we've only shot maybe two because the two that we shot were way bigger than anything i've seen so an average average pound goose is what 50 pounds 40 pounds what is it uh, average goose? God, maybe. What do you think? I don't know. Like 15 pounds? Really? It seems maybe. like bigger maybe, than that. Yeah, 10, 15 pounds. No, I don't <laughs> weigh too much. So what's a greater? How much well, greater is probably 20 pounds, I'd say. Close. Yeah. I mean, they're big bass. And they got, just... their necks are just, they're thick. Thick. Yeah, real thick. <laughs> no, you'll know when you shoot yeah. one. They're, it's not even close. It's like Goosezilla. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well... So like, to pre- for the preparation, did so you obviously got you've been scouting a little bit to have like an idea of what area you're going to public pond, private pond. Have you been practicing your calling all year, Nick? Uh, no. Have you even practiced the any, I haven't done any. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't done any of those in a while. Um, a little bit in North Dakota, but Reese does a lot of the calling. I'm just kind of a assistant i guess just a <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you just said you got when did you get your new gun uh so last spring reese and i with our joe Bi- and it wasn't even joe biden money back then it was trump money yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we went out and we bought uh two brand new benelli m2s uh marsh patriot camo with cerakote on the barrel so cerakote lasts longer doesn't rust as easy mm-hmm. um so we bought those last year and I think we got them on special for fourteen hundred bucks, fifteen hundred bucks, something like that. Yeah, it's that Shields Gun Fair. Reeds, 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 Reeds Gun, Gun Fair. Fair. Yep. And they did it all online last year because of COVID, but 
they still give out the, I think it was like two or 300 bucks off. Yeah. So we run those for our shotguns, for shells. Um, we both have different chokes. I run a Pattern Master Code Black uh, Duck, and Reese runs. Do you run the duck or the goose? I run the duck. Okay. I run the Kicks High Flyer. Extra full. Extra full. So Extra isn't that like full. a Pattern Master? Or who's got the tighter Sick. pattern at 40 yards? Have you guys patterned them out at all? Nope. We never have. <laughs> no, it goes in the gun and it shoots shoots well. Call it good. Yeah, we, we used to shoot Federal Blue Box all the time, kind of the standard or Winchesters, but uh, last year we spent the money and got the Black Cloud 2.0. Oof. So far it's been good. It's a lot cleaner than the first stuff. The first Black Cloud is dirty. Like you shot really? it and your eyes hurt from the powder. It was bad. It was hmm. a dirty shot. Yeah, they got a good shot now. <laughs> dirty shot. Dirty <laughs> shot, baby. <laughs> I've never, like, what is it for a box of that? It used to be like 20 bucks a box for Black Cloud, wasn't it? Is it more? I just it saw is... it this weekend. It was 26 up north at Reed's. I was up in Walker this last weekend. Is that cheap? For, or no. is that kind of normal? I think last year we paid around 20 bucks a box, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. Because they gave the rebate, rebate back. I think it was 50 bucks for a rebate. So I think we paid like two. 15 or something after the rebate last year and then this year it's still 250 i think it was but then you got tax it's like 270 so it's a over a dollar a shell now Jeez. which hurts yeah i remember going through like a box and a half opener morning and i'd be like i'd be so depressed i get mad <laughs> when i shoot an arrow and i lose it and i'm like oh there goes 20 bucks <laughs> yeah. but like jesus yeah, it's expensive now. And for decoys, uh, actually, I bought all my goose floaters from Matt and Mitch. So. Oh, yeah. How many do you guys got now? I have 18, and Reese, you have? I have eight or nine. I think I've lost a couple. Yep. They sink? No, wind takes them away and then couldn't find them. <laughs> <laughs> you set the spread in the dark, and then your sun comes up. It's like, I thought I had more decoys out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was like a mixed bag from Mitch and Matt. It's like GHGs and so, I don't know. Higdon. Hig, there's one yeah, Higdon. One Higdon and the rest are GHGs. Yeah. And then I have Dakotas and like two flambos For water? Yeah, for water. For water. And our field spread consists of, again, a hodgepodge. We got Dakotas. We have Final Approach. Uh, what the hell else, dude? Oh, we have Bigfoots. Bigfoots. And then we have, for silhouettes, we have Dive Bomb. Big Al yep. and White Rock. Yep. I've, I've heard that a lot, dive bomb. Is that just a new type of decoy? Is it like a Dakota decoy? or No, they're just, just silhouettes. silhouettes. Oh, really? Like that corrugated plastic with a stake that you pound in. And I mean, we bought five dozen for 300 bucks, so it's like a cheaper way to go now. And they're so much easier to carry. They're lighter. You can fit a billion of them in a bag and throw them on your shoulder and walk out compared to, I mean, you carry maybe five full bodies if you're lucky, you know, when you're walking out in the field, maybe. And if you're carrying Bigfoots, they fall apart. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think Dive Bomb just does the best job at marketing, to be honest, when it comes. I mean, Big Al's out there, too, but everyone loves Dive But They got a podcast, and then Dive Bomb, Dive Bomb Industry. Industries or whatever, yeah. I remember you telling me about that podcast about the guy up in, is this Saskatchewan or somewhere up in Canada? When he had like this, someone uh, couldn't go hunting and he was a guide. So this other guy filled in and then he happened to like call and tell these guys, you know, take them. And all of a sudden he heard a shot and then that was it. And the guy slipped next to him and shot the guy that was, or slipped and then shot the guy that was right next to him and the like wad was in his mouth. 
Yeah. Well, it's yeah. called Tragedy in the Blind. Yeah. And that if you was... haven't heard that podcast on Dive Bomb Industries, I highly suggest every hunter listen to it just yep. to remind yourself about hunter safety, especially like this weekend, anytime you're getting out again. I mean, I had a close call two years, three years ago at Brent's Land where we all popped up in the layout blinds and my buddy shot across me. He shot the rib of my gun off. Oh, wow. oh I have a picture. Wow. I'll, I'll give it to you a picture you can put on the border uh, page. He shot the freaking rail off my gun and luckily didn't shoot anybody else. But it just reminds you just you got to make damn sure you're pointing that gun when you're shooting across people. I mean, that was a terrible story. That guy slipped and killed him, you know, instantly right there. Um, that, that we were, I remember I was duck hunting up with Matt and Mitch. I don't know. It was like five years ago and we were, we were going through these, these lakes up there in the crow wing chain of lakes. We saw these guys. You know, we waved at them, we went by, and we sat out there and hunted all day. And then we came back, we're like, oh, they're not there. Okay, so we load the boat up, whatever, we take off, and then all of a sudden, we get home. I think we stayed up there all weekend. We got home, like, really, really early Monday morning, like 3 a.m. And my grandpa was telling us about the shooting accident up there, and it was the same thing. Those two guys in the duck boat, one guy slipped and shot the other guy at point blank range. Oh, man. And we didn't, like, it must have been the morning after, you know, because we didn't hear a gunshot or anything, but the guy just got married. He's only married for, like, a month. And it's just, like, I couldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. No. Like, I, and that guy, like, going back on the dive bomb, just hearing him talk about it, you could just hear, like, the reflection in his voice. Like, it was just, like, I, I couldn't imagine sitting right there because he asked his buddy to come out hunting. Instead of that guy that ended up filling in, he's like, if my buddy would have came out, he would be dead. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But, yeah, I I haven't had that many close calls like right. that. Like, you get your rail shut off on your gun. Yeah, it was a crazy. And then, luckily, it didn't shoot the barrel. So, all I went to, they took it to H&H. Um, I made my buddy pay for it, obviously. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not putting a new rail on. But they actually just spliced in a chunk of rail on my old 870. And uh, I still have it in there. It's kind of a memory at this point, honestly. It's my backup gun, and it's got like a four-inch chunk of different rail in it. And uh, yeah, it was it was nuts. I I'd felt something, but I didn't really realize what it was at the time because I thought I felt like, like I got like powder in my eyes. And I'm like, I wonder what the hell that's from. You know, I thought maybe. Well, and then you thought black cloud was right. Dirty. I was that like, was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden I was like, huh. I got home the next day and I took a picture. I'm like, son of a bitch, you, like you shot my gun accidentally. Um, you know, and he was more that he was so sorry about it. And like, yeah. we didn't really realize it that day. It took me a whole day later to realize it. So did it like, it just, did it have like BB marks or like, how did you know yeah, that they're he, indented? Yeah. I'll really? send you the picture. You'll have to throw it up just to remind everyone about Hunter safety. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. You can see the BB marks on the rail. Well, I wouldn't doubt it. Like I remember, um, people are probably tired of me saying, Oh, I remember, I remember, but like <laughs> you get, you get that ink, you know, you're anxious. You got ducks coming in, you're calling at them. It's open in the morning. It's whatever morning your adrenaline's running and not like that close of a call, but someone shoots right by you and, and just, if it blows your ear off muzzle yeah. blast. Yeah, and it's just, God, and, it, and I've done it to people. People have done it to me. You know, you're, you're not, you're focusing on that one duck that's flying across. And you want to shoot it. Yeah. You're not realizing the guy, how you yeah, know, right next to he is to you. Yeah, I did that to a buddy of mine too when we were kids. <laughs> he chewed my ass. <laughs> oh, it hurts. It it's like my hearing's going down fast and I blame it on that. Well, have you heard of Bobby Guy? No. Bobby Guy Films. He does YouTube. So the there's a video that he just released for early season 
and he's getting a lot of scrutiny for it for dogs breaking out into the spread and then him shooting. And I guess there was a close call with one of the videos, and he's he's been getting kind of blasted online about everything like that. Is it his dogs or is it's not his dogs? No, there's I think there's two of them. They're saying that broke into the spread, and they're they're sounds like they're like in the spread, and yeah, it's like ten yards away, and he's sh- they're all shooting right right towards the dogs. Oof. So huh. that's another thing. If you if your dogs are breaking, you gotta not shoot. Well, yeah, and I've seen like the you know facebook uh what is it what's the facebook group um water minnesota waterfowlers yeah they some every once in a while it seems like once a year every two years there's always a picture of a dog that's got you know at the vet getting bb's taken out of it because yeah of that when they're they're a lot lower too so sometimes you might not see them you just got to be aware of where they're at yeah and that that's where training like having a a dog for hunting or pheasant or any of that that's yeah well trained yeah that or like you always see people that have like leashes that they tie it to the boat or tie it to the ground so that they can't take off until yeah until they let them go yeah but i don't know it's just i can't get over that that you almost got that your rail got shot on your gun yeah it was it was crazy and like i said it's just good you know this time mm-hmm. you're to talk about all these things that's, that's what podcasting is great for get all these disc- you know talking points out there remind guys hey know where the dog is know where your buddy is know where your, your zones are when you shoot you know whether layout blind or in the boat just know your area so you're not you know shooting your buddy's gun or muzzle blasting your buddies and everyone's got to come home at the end of the day that's the biggest thing yeah what is the uh what's the big name uh decoy now is like, is it still Dakota? I remember when Dakotas first came out, and then it was. I'd probably say Avian. Avian X. Yeah, I'd right? probably say Avian would be the number one. Do Do you guys have any Avian like yeah. duck decoys or goose? Uh, we don't have any geese. We do have. I have a bunch of ducks. Yeah, I think ducks. all my ducks are Avian X. Their wood ducks are beautiful. They do a really nice job on their decoys. Some of our divers might even. No, I don't think our divers any other Avian or not our diver lines. Uh, I don't th- think so. No, I think those are all cheaper ones. But all the mallards that we have, teal and wood ducks, are all avian. And some GHG. I have those. Oh, yeah, you have the mallard yeah. GHGs. Yeah, the pro gu- or pro something HD. Pro guide. I pro think HD. Yeah. yeah. Pro guides about. Um, do you put them in the bags every time? Yeah. Do you really? We actually we do. Have we the, have slot bags. <laughs> oh. the Avery twelve slot decoy bag. They're awesome. Oh, don't they have like individual bags that you can put them in, or is that the goose? We don't the, have any of those like individual spread. little bags, yeah. but they're nice little slots that go in a nice mesh bag. And it's actually nice for uh, the duck boat, the little John boat. It's so much easier because it's everything's rectangle, and those are rectangles, so two of them fit perfect right next to each other instead of having this giant bag of all of them that's just kind of all over the place. Do and you, it helps with organization a lot. Do you guys wear life jackets? Is my mom asking? <laughs> no. Yeah, who's listening wondering. right now? Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't think we have, no. We, we always have them. Yeah. We usually will sit on our life jackets, I think. <laughs> for padding. <laughs> yeah, for padding. <laughs> do you, have you guys, how much time do you, have you guys spend scouting or for, I guess, all season? Like how many hours throughout the season do you just scout on your way to work or do you take the long way home from work? just after work normally yeah like 
usually, I mean, sometimes we get lucky and it's, you know, family fields or um, ponds or, you know what I mean? So sometimes you get lucky with that. So for Brent at work or you never know when you might find a field or find geese somewhere and get people talking. And, you know, sometimes you just mention, hey, I know so-and-so or, you know, so-and-so, and then it makes it a lot easier. You just so. name drop? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have a bunch of geese in your fields? Yeah, we got them out in the pasture. They chase the cows off all the time. So we we did have some people coming out there hunting them. They, they went to my mom's church, so she let them out there. But now you know some guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just if they come back. Yeah, I definitely. I'd, I'd like to have you guys out there actually, because I I'd, I'd want to hunt with you guys because I've never goose hunted. I've always I've duck hunted, but um, <clears throat> I, I I my joke with uh, Wyatt was when he bought his uh, bow fishing setup. I told him I'm gonna go out there and shoot a goose with his bow. <laughs> <laughs> trying to reel it. That'd be freaking awesome. Dude, it's like flying a kite. Yeah. <laughs> I, so the, the geese scare cows off? Yeah, they chase the cows off all the time. Well, then they shit out in the pasture, and it, it gets to be so bad that cows don't even want to be in that area anymore. So they'll start to move around, and, and, and yeah, they kind of take over the place. And they were becoming a pretty bad nuisance. Um, we didn't have to have the DNR give us a special permit. To, <laughs> you know? So these guys are actually eating them when they, when they shot them, but... Um, when the hunters, when the guys came in and started hunting, they kind of moved over to the, uh, east a little bit. There's a, our neighbor has a llama, um, farm. So they go out there and they were in a pasture, the llamas there, but they would still sneak over to our cow pasture once in a while. And I don't know. I yeah. Don't- I don't feel like such a little bitch now because, like, when you go golfing and you have them, you know, hissing at you, running at you, <laughs> now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> they can scare a cow away. I mean, yeah. But I'm afraid, to, I'm terrified of cows. <laughs> Well, I got a goose story about me when I was young, but I'm not going there right now. <laughs> that was like one of those farm geese, too. We didn't like each other. <laughs> so, anything else on waterfall? No, we're just excited for the year, and, um, you know, we'll try to keep everyone updated on Facebook and Instagram and kind of let everyone know that if we fail or succeed and probably fail, we'll uh, we'll still post on there. So, oh, I got one more question. What do you guys like hunting more, water or land? Or where do you have your most success between the two? I guess kind of two Water. questions. We, my preference would be to hunt fields, but we always have a lot better luck hunting water. Especially or, ducks around Minnesota. You know, in North Dakota, you might get those, you know, big corn fields or those big mallard feeds. But around here, we rarely see ducks in fields, to be honest. Yeah. And it's, it's nice. Going out to water, you're going to have everything. You're going to have divers, puddle ducks, geese. We're fields. Coot. And coot, coots. yeah. <laughs> what is it? Is it 50 or is it unlimited for coots? I think it's 15 or I don't, I don't know. know. Coot soup. Coot soup. <laughs> Let me know how it tastes. Yeah, I'll have to have a border feed. Uh, <laughs> I always know. I think I, I, someone, I can't remember who it was, but they wanted to get a dog and name it coot. <laughs> awesome. So then like when they're out there, you'd be like, coot, coot. <laughs> I prefer water, I'd have to say, too, overall, just because the access to it. And like Reese said, when duck hunting is, I probably prefer over goose hunting. We seem to get swamped or, you know, skunked a lot in goose hunting. We, we're good at that. We're always frustrated. It seems like every year we go out there and we try our hardest. We set out a spread, try to do everything right, and we still have a hard time shooting the summit bitches. So <laughs> it's, uh, I feel like that spring season, there was a little, we got a little revenge. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you guys like really, grind out when you go to these water spots or do you just go to like a 
say um pelican and where there's like a nice public access are you guys dragging canoes and boats through cattails like hundreds of yards to get out there a little bit of both so we do have a boat with a decent motor um and that's all you have to have an access an actual access to get in but then last year we were hunting a couple swampy marsh things you got to walk through the bog pull the little john boat with and you got to work for your birds you're sweating your ass off and you're swearing you're falling up to your tits and mud <laughs> it's, it's something no else. life jacket on the waiter <laughs> yeah i mean it's there's sometimes we have to grind it out for sure that's uh just kind of the public land beast or around us you know you're not it's not always field hunting it's not like north dakota but like those are the most memorable hunts though aren't they those ones that you're falling and up to your tits and waders walking through a bog sitting on one thing trying to pull your boat and then you you shoot one duck and it's a better story than when you went and limited out because you had to do all that work and then you shot that one <laughs> duck and now you got to go all the way back the opposite way can you clarify what is limiting limiting out i have uh... a <laughs> It's a term, a oh. French term. Oh. <laughs> is that where you shoot all all the geese and ducks you can within the legal limit? Yeah. Oh, that's I've never with, done, I've done with, that once. I think <laughs> once or in South Dakota, I've done it a few times in college. But yeah, we, with that one hunt after work last year. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Last year was good, and then a couple years ago too on See, divers. I'm telling you, it's stuff. not a memorial. It's not a memorable hunt because you couldn't even remember it was last uh, year. <laughs> must have been too easy to get out there. Yeah, yeah. too much fun on that. Yeah. Hunt. <laughs> Uh-huh. So we're going to switch here a little bit. Well, actually, for anyone that knows, Minnesota water, Waterfall Opener is uh, the 9th. Not 9th. No, it is not. It's September 25th. <laughs> and uh, Early Goose. Oh, God. I got, I'm got. i all confused here. Um, Chronologically, you should have started with Early yeah, Goose. Yeah, I should have started with Early, early Goose. Early season. Early Teal season is Labor Day weekend, which is the 4th. Um, and then uh, Minnesota Waterfall Waterfall. Waterfall <laughs> opener. Easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, September 25th. But we're going to switch here to, uh, we're going to go talk a little bow hunting. So I know a guy over here from Brotherhood named Reese that you're pretty avid bow hunter. For, well, I guess for the last two years now. So I did a lot of it when I was younger and then went to college, didn't do it at all. And now I'd say the last two or three years I've gotten into it quite a bit yeah what uh so what kind of what kind of gear do you got so you got into it a couple years ago i remember seeing you up at the range shooting was it like is it your my grandpa's, grandpa's my grandpa's browning yeah <laughs> i've never even heard of the i never even know that was a kind of bow yeah i wanted to get one deer with it before i bought a new one because i had a pse and then he never shot one with uh he never shot a deer with that bow so i th- i gave it two years got skunked so i was like uh this bow really sucks to pull back and it's got no let off so i think it's time for time for a new bow so now what do you have you said a pse no i have uh the matthews vxr i got last year that's gotta be pretty nice oh it's so much better than the old one i can actually pull it back and hold it for a little bit where the other one you pull it back at 70 pounds and you're holding 70 pounds where this one it's i think it's 90 percent let off or something so much nicer. That's that's so crazy that they can do that nowadays with bows. Like and it, that let off, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Even pulling it back, too, it does not feel, so I think mine's at 72, and it does not feel like 72. That's all in the cams, isn't it, with the let off? Yeah. For the most part? Yep. 
So an old bow, just didn't, the cams just didn't have the right lobe on them? To, no, that's got those. Mine had like a little pop can. They're about the size of a pop can can. Okay. Cams. And now my Matthews, it's, I don't know. You've seen Have you seen a Matthews cam? They're huge. Yeah, like a record? They're like a plane. But it's amazing how far they've come with bows. Huh. I, you were talking about. You kind of had like a little itch for a little bit where you're thinking about getting one, didn't? Weren't you? Bow hunting to me is just another ex- expensive hobby. I feel like I can only have so many expensive hobbies, and I, I would love a bow, and I would love to do it. Um, you know, you do get a longer season, so it would be sweet for that. Like when, you, and especially with, I'm sure you guys have discussed a little bit the park hunts and stuff. You get a little more opportunity. I feel like. Yep. Where you know, I just you know, I get lucky though too around metro area deer hunting. You get like three four weeks of hunting too. You know what I mean with the the management area there. Oh, yeah, um, and I think what is is it f- unlimited does or five does or something too? Yeah, it's something like five that. deer now. They changed it. it used it's, to be unlimited. Now it's just five. Yeah, which is still plenty. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just it's one more thing. I just I'm not ready to get into it yet. Is there a special permit for that? I don't think so. <laughs> if there is, can I get? Can I put my name on there? <laughs> you want to shoot a fawn or what? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Veal. <laughs> so, what kind of arrows did you shoot, Reese? Uh, I have the Easton Axis. Oh, see, I you're about the only person I know in my huge fan group that actually shoots Easton. <laughs> <laughs> fan group or friend group? <laughs> friend group. Okay. Well, what do you shoot? Uh the victory. Vaps or. Yeah, VAP SS, the stainless steel. So I had the Victory VAPs, and then I I'd hated those outserts, so I switched to the 5mm Easton Axis. You like the, they shoot a lot more consistent, like grouping-wise? or Yeah, I was just, the outserts for the VAPs were bending. What do you mean so, the outserts? So there's an outsert, so you have your shaft, and then instead of being an insert... <laughs> It's it's an outsert. Really really yeah. yeah, an insert goes inside the arrow, an outsert goes on the outside. Holy of the shit! Arrow. Sex education. Yeah. <laughs> the birds and the bees here. Yeah. Well, I have that, and it's that's you're talking like in the on the front of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that gives me an extra like was it 50, 50 grains? Probably. Yeah. See, I like that. It gives but like, I, I had mine. They're bending, so you go to do the roll test, and you could see them wobble. Oh, really? And then they'd have bad flight. I didn't know that. I guess I never had that problem with them. That's like that those new stainless steels ones I have. They don't really they don't bend or anything. They don't bend a whole mm-hmm. lot. That's the whole point of them is when that initial shot, you know how they wobble and they come out. It's faster recovery from oh, the line. Okay. So, like I've noticed because I have some older arrows with my bow now. When those are skinny arrows, those are three millimeter, aren't they? No, they're not that small. Okay. Um, but. With the other ones, like these ones, that well, obviously they're heavy, and you can just tell that, like, with that little bit of wobble, and they're just so much faster. Even yeah. another fifty grains to them. Yeah, I really like them. I've had good good luck with them the last couple of deer because they haven't been really good shots. <laughs> I was able to make it all the way through. So, do you know how many grains your arrows are? No, I don't. Because I think mine are around like four twenty to four forty somewhere in there. And I'm looking to get next year bump it up to like five fifty or so. Like Cam Haynes style or like what is what No, is, I don't even know what he shoots. But the hunting public, they did a big podcast or, or a video with the ranch fairy and all he does is arrows and they do crazy stuff like twelve hundred grains. Oof. But no, I think a lot of those guys are shooting like seven, seven fifty now. 
I I think I used to know the number and I should look at it again, but I thought it was like four fifty or somewhere around there is what I was shooting. Okay. For with with those stainless steel ones. Because I guess around five fifty is like bone breaking. Oh really? I think that's <clears throat> around that five fifty mark. That's why I kinda wanna get there. What did you say yours were now? I think they're like 420 or 440, somewhere in there. So not super light. I know a lot of guys will shoot like upper 300s. What do you What do you have for broadheads? Ramcats. So I was shooting Montec, the G5 Montecs, the fixed blades. Yep. I used those for, I think it was only just for turkey. And then I went to the Ramcats last year, and they they do work. They're pretty good. Are those expandable? No, they're they're considered like a hybrid, so they're a fixed blade. But when you shoot, and if it, say the arrow gets stuck in the deer on the way back out, the blades will flip forward, and they're double oh, that, sharp, and they'll cut on the way out. Oh, so those ones that have like the rubber band you put on there? No, like a rage. No, the rage they have like a the plastic cert, but it's like a it goes opposite. So like the I guess whatever you call it, the fins, okay, fold forward. And then there's like a rubber band, almost like a condom, that rolls up onto them. So then when you shoot, it's kind of like almost like a fix, but not because it's always going to come back. Because with the rage, there's always that it might not open up. It might open up goofy or not all the way out the way that it kind of comes yeah. out, you know. These ones, they fold forward. And then when you shoot a deer, they kind of come back. Oh, okay. I can't think of the yeah. name of them. Uh, Bill Winky used them all yeah, the time. So- yeah, I know what you're talking about. These are these are they're pretty much fixed blades, though they are f- fixed blades. So when you shoot them, there's no opening. It's just if you go through the deer, the tension of it when it tries to pull that arrow out or when it tries to work its way out, there's screws in there that'll loosen up and the blades will fold forward a little bit, and then they're they're sharpened on the backside, so they'll cut on the way out. So that and that way, if you can't find the deer, you at least know it's dead. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if so, blood. so Haugie had shot one quartering to him last year, and he went through and through right through the shoulder. And the thing ran 25, 30 yards maybe. And that was it? Yeah. And it was, it wasn't the best shot, but he, he found that deer right away. And then mine last year was, I shot it, and I think it ran 15 yards, and it was done. Like, because when you were talking about the bone one, it made me remind of is the uh, the Rage hypodermics are supposed to be able to break through bone. Okay. <clears throat> with the way, like, the point is. Yeah. So that's what made me think of that. And then now you're talking about, you sent me a Snapchat, was it last week, of that whatever your passenger in your truck? Oh, of the deer I shot last yeah, year? Yeah, the deer you shot last year. You got, an, what was it, a 10-pointer, an 8-pointer? Eight 8-pointer, eight yeah. And that was in one of the park hunts. So let's go. Let's go into depth on that because I'm actually pretty interested in that <laughs> because I've never done one, and now since I don't have private land to hunt, how do you get into park hunts? So it's a group uh, called MBRB. They do a bunch of so it's Metro Bow Hunting Resource Base, I think it is, and it's all Metro stuff. So it's a bunch of like Three Rivers parks. Um, I think there's some private land that guys post on there. Um, but it's, it's an organization. So you pay, you pay your due. I think it's 20 bucks. You, 
have to take proficiency tests. So there's some parks where you have to be a sharpshooter and some parks where you don't have to be. It's just regular qualification, which is five arrows at 20 yards in a seven inch circle. And then proficiency or a sharpshooter would be same thing, but at, I think it's a four inch circle or five inch. One of the two. But see, so is, that, is that a pie plate? Like you always hear seven inches of a pie plate, plate. Yep. and then okay, and I th- it's either four or five. I think it might be five inches, and then that's your sharpshooter. So that's when you go into like parks in the city towards Minneapolis here, where higher density of people, not as much land. You got to shoot. You have to be more proficient because they don't want wounded deer running around. I could shoot. I could probably go to the range and shoot a five-inch circle, and if I had a big buck from inside a park, I'd probably hit it in the ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like all that adrenaline and nerves and everything else running through. Yeah, it's well, and they have they have some rules too. So you're not supposed to shoot a deer over 20 yards. Just make it ethical and uh, eliminate those not found deer or wounded deer because they don't they don't want a deer running around with an arrow sticking out of it. And dying on the cart path or something like that. <laughs> At a golf course yeah. on like the 18th green. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's some stuff that they put around there. They just uh, introduced trees or um, saddles. So you can do saddles. Before you couldn't do saddle hunting. And now you can do saddle hunting in there, which is it's kind of nice. What is that? Saddle hunting? Yeah. Um, it's just a different type of tree stand. So you're attached to the tree and you have... Um, like a rock climber harness kind of around your waist and you're hanging from the tree with a small little platform. So your platform is about the size of two boots. Okay. Pretty so is small. It, is it like a lineman, like climbing a pole? Yeah, pretty much. Same or, thing. And then you just, I don't know how, do you have one? Yeah, I, I just bought one this year. That doesn't, that doesn't seem comfortable to me. They're comfortable. Like, you, and then like, I've seen like videos of them yeah. and how... They're nice because you have the mobility to kind of just like swing around and shoot on the other side of the tree. But yep. I just, all I could see is I like sit, you know, you're sitting in a deer stand, you can see everything. And then I feel like if I'm in a saddle, I'm just staring at the same bark. I was saying, because you're looking at, the, you're facing the tree. Yep. You're yeah. dead on with the tree. So where a normal tree stand, like say it's a hang on, you say the path isn't, there's a deer path right in front of you. And you normally hang your stand on the front side of the tree so you could get a good shot at it. Now with tree saddles, you do the opposite. You hang it on the back side. Well, in a way, you're kind of hidden behind the tree then. That's yeah. one of the benefits. Okay. Is More so, concealment. Yeah. Sure. And you're just you're tied to a rope and you can swing around the tree. You can shoot 360. So if you can you can pull back behind the tree, scoot out a little bit, and shoot your deer. So they're supposed to be a lot more hidden. How much have you practiced? Hmm. With the saddle and shooting, have you? I've shot two arrows. <laughs> <laughs> You're good? <laughs> no, so I did that just for a test. Uh, I think before opener, we're supposed to get a couple guys. Because Butch, he just bought one too. So we're going to get together and, and do a little shooting out of there. You should let me know when you guys do that. I want to see it. Yeah. No, it's it's fun. It's it's a little nervous when you get up there. So I did like a practice run. I went out into one of the public lands, set the tree stand up, and just sat in there for about 45 minutes swinging around the tree kind of getting used to it and it's because i mean you're leaning all the way back it feels like you're gonna fall out of the tree but you're completely safe in there well i suppose you're probably more safe in that than you are 
like a regular deer stand because you're attached to the tree. Like a lot of people don't wear harnesses when they yeah, go up in yeah. a deer stand. You have no choice now. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. be wearing a harness. So yeah, you're so, attached to huh. it. So do you put like do you have do you have different footwear you have to wear? Like how do you mm-hmm. climb up the tree, or do you put pegs in the tree, or a ladder, or how do you? So it, everything's the same for if you use like a hang on hang on tree stand. Okay. So if you have um, you can do foot pegs. You can do like a, a small ladder, or I do. Um, Hawk helium steps. What is that? It's a, it's like a, a mini, I don't know, it's like 27 inches, and it's just a, a hang-on ladder. Uh, so they're different sections. Just a lightweight ladder? Yeah. Climbing sticks, that's what they are. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're talking about it. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. So you just have, So you just have the rope around the tree... And then you need to put your climbing stick on, attach that to the tree. Essentially, you're climbing up a ladder, but you're, like, leaning back when you're doing it. Yeah, with those. So you have a, a lineman's belt. Yeah. Is what they call it. So you're always, as soon as you leave the ground, you're tied to the tree. And then once you get up and you set your actual platform, then you tie on a tether above you. And then that's what you hook onto for your actual harness. And that's what you swing from. And then you can detach your... Um, Lyman's belt. Wyatt needs to introduce this to his uh, lineman class when they start climbing. Yeah, his oh, son's go. going up to, he's up at school right now with Dean to be a lineman. You can use all that same stuff. A lot of guys use, they used to use uh, rock climbing gear and lineman stuff to. All right, Wyatt, to, see if you can get your boy into school and <laughs> start practicing. I want to see pictures. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I mean, it's it's lightweight. I, I mean, you can carry all that in a backpack. I'll... Super lightweight. I think my platform is two pounds <laughs> compared to the stand that I was using for a hang-on was, was probably like 15 pounds. And if you're, because we do a lot of public land hunting, so hiking back mile or two miles, you have two and a half pounds instead of 15. I can see how that actually probably would be pretty comfortable, but I'm not going to lie. There's no way in hell you're going to catch me in a tree trying to lean off the tree yeah. on a harness, so... <laughs> It definitely takes a little bit of getting used to because I thought it was going to be fine. I set it up just at home, like 10 feet off the ground, and then I actually did it at hunting height, and it's it's a lot different. I bet. Hmm. Sounds, you, ne- sounds neat, think? though. Yeah. I was, I'm was. i just listening. I, I, what do you think, Squatch? <laughs> you get up in the tree? Uh, I don't know. What the? You do. You sat that one right? last year. What? Oh, you sat that sketchy one last year. Yeah, that was terrible. I don't that even know how just... the thing was attached to the tree. It was bad. You got to like you, climb over the platform to get into it, and it was just terrible. It was so sketchy. It was no, I didn't wear a harness or anything. <laughs> don't wear a life jacket. Don't wear a harness. Don't, don't listen to me. You're a bad boy. Living yeah. on the edge. Yeah. Getting, getting shot at. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have that climber, and sometimes that seems like you have to find, like everyone says you have to find the perfect tree, which I found out the hard way you actually do have to find the perfect tree because I found one that was like leaning to the right a little bit. Oh, wow. And I'd climb up it my, like, six, seven feet up off the ground, and i call her good because I got vertical. So then I'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, you're constantly, like, leaning. And then when you try, because I, I actually had the harness, and then you try, and you stand on that one side of the platform, and it you could I caught it in time, but it started, like, it almost fell. Oh, yeah. Because all the weight's on that side, and then it, you know, loosens up because yeah. you're constantly moving around. Well, with climbers, you, you can't have any limbs in the way. Yeah, That's you have to cut everything things, on the way yeah. up. And they seem like they're so loud. Oh, yeah. 
it's just it seems so loud and you're like i'm not gonna shoot anything they can i'm just making so much noise and your bows is laying on the ground and it's like yeah. i had a deer here right now i'm not gonna be able to <laughs> shoot it but the saddle thing would be interesting it's kind of a newer way of hunting i mean i i never knew anyone who did it till ross talked ross about did it. it yeah and then he didn't like it and but. funny that's what's funny about ross though is he was all of a sudden all in he went and bought a PSC. He went and bought a climber. He bought a ground blind. He bought a saddle. He bought a bunch of expensive camo. Yeah, he bought all this. Like, was it Sitka? Yeah, he bought a bunch of Sitka gear. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this year, I talked to him. Hey, you, you know, are you gonna go? You gonna come over and shoot your bow? He sold it. Like he's well, selling everything. Really? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, like two years ago, you just like went all in. Like you're gonna win the lottery, and now all of a sudden, you're just done comes back to that hobby thing he's super into like mountain biking yeah. and the boundary waters this year and his through hiking and you know all that stuff so it's like you got to pick and choose all your hobbies because you only get away so often so well it seems like he's away every weekend up in the boundary waters well he's got no kids at home now he's, he's got it easy <laughs> except for the one weekend you guys went up there which i listened to that story and i i can't like i, I re-listened to the podcast this last weekend and i could totally see jim doing being jim and then you guys trying to hike that five miles out with the canoes on your head and then you and jim ran up forward i'm like well nick's running again it's probably just like oh this is just this is just another morning run <laughs> it, it was but i'll be honest like by the end i'm like god i hope that that's the spot we're supposed to stop because jim is a beast like mm-hmm. for those of you guys who don't know jim i mean he ran the half marathon and he's talked about in the podcast before the dude's 43 years old and could kick anyone's ass like <laughs> running wise it's nuts i mean he we were running two and a half miles that were just having two and a half miles of canoes on our back. And I'm like, I was just running my pace. And Jim is just doing fine. He's got a shirt off. Just He's like a <laughs> freaking Greek got goddess shirt out off. there running. And I'm like, oh, my God, are we done yet? Are we done yet? Like two and a half miles after being in the Boundary Waters all for four days. But it was just fun to, to be up there. Just made me feel like shit because the energy he burns running that half marathon is what I take to go from that couch to the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same age. <laughs> yeah, it's... uh. He's an awesome guy, and Boundary Waters is a lot of fun. I mean, it's such a fun group of guys, and you know, I recommend it to anyone to go up there sometime. It's such a neat experience. Everyone here has been, so it's so mm-hmm. cool. I mean, Tim's got his stories. Remember, he was talking about it, and Reese has been up there once. You've been up there, so I really want to try. I've seen the like people go up there bow hunting. Yeah, I think I, my buddy's done that. A lot of deer up there, but a lot of land to cover. And well, the only place that I've gone in the Boundary Waters is like thick really thick stuff yeah but and i guess it all depends on like what's like you go on the right time of the year with like the meat's probably fine you know it's cold enough at night and, but i think that would be fun something kind of cool to try you go kayak or canoe however many miles into the boundary waters yeah and, camp out there that'd be fun that'd Pad- be it paddle your canoe back home and you got deer deer hooves hanging out of it <laughs> get your trophy just like you normally do like when you're driving down the road and i'm with the orange army going up on opener yep so reese you gave me shit for this for people that don't know thermals yes <laughs> i for everyone doesn't know i put like this blog post last year up on the border outdoors <laughs> um website and i was doing all this research because i'm like new to bow hunting like within the last three years and i'm trying to act like i'm smart like oh do you know you gotta do this you learn from this and then there's this thing about thermals I've always heard this one way, 
And the morning I put it out, he read it, and the first person that texted me, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you got it completely backwards. So yeah. what for people like going back into bow hunting, what are thermals and when do you have to worry about them? Mornings and evenings. So normally uh, thermals in the morning, temperature is rising, your scent and the thermals are going to be rising. And then in the evening, they're going to be dropping because it's starting to cool off. And that scent, your scent kind of starts to sink down. So you kind of want to remember that and with the wind too. So like if you have a wind, if you're hunting like a hillside, your wind might be coming at you. But if you're hunting at night or towards evening and your thermals are dropping, that might be going right down into the valley where if deer are coming down there or something. So so then would you say you'd want to hunt mornings more because it's rising up? So your scent, they won't be able to smell you as bad as in the evening? Yeah, and it, it depends where you're hunting though. So if you're if you're in like hill country, you'd want to hunt the bottoms towards the evening, and then the tops in the morning. In the morning. Hmm. I thought it was the other way around. I I've always been told that you don't want to hunt mornings because of the thermals. It it all depends on where you are. But so sometimes sometimes uh the rising thermals it might help you or it might hurt you. It depends on where you're set up and where you think the deer are coming from. Do you worry about it too much? Like, do you do a lot of scent awareness? Or are you out there, like, ripping heaters and... (laughs) I don't do that. ...in the saddle and everything (laughs) else? (laughs) No, I basically just wind. I mean, you don't have to worry about your scent if you have good wind. I mean, you still have to worry about it. You got to worry about where you're walking in and stuff like that. But I don't go crazy on, like, scent control and stuff. I wash my clothes at the beginning of the season with scent killer, and then that's about it. I might spray my boots with some scent killer when I walk in, and that's kind of all I do. do you can't you can't ever eliminate your scent. No, I mean, you're sitting the, there yeah. breathing all day. You got scent on your breath. It's you can't really get away with it. That's why I eat caramel apple suckers. <laughs> that's what I say. Like people always say to chew caramel or uh, apple. Yep. Like skull, and then th- it smells like apples. Yep. My brother always eats the caramel apple suckers when he's out there. <laughs> Well, I was dumb. When I read the agenda, I thought it was like thermocell or something. I don't know what we're talking about when he said thermals. And so I was super confused because I've never even heard that. I just, we grew up hunting. You like woke up in the morning, you had a thermos of coffee. And there's guys who used to smoke cigarettes or oh, chew yeah. with us. And everyone just goes out. You, you air your shit out like the day before. Everyone's got their orange shit hanging out. Like yeah. And we just go out in the farm fields, climb the ladder stand. It's been there for 10 years and we try to shoot a deer. Like we have, we have no idea about any of that, to be honest. But there's so many people, but that's the way they've always been. And they always shoot. Deer. My dad shot a giant deer, and he never does anything special for thermals. Yeah, yeah. You don't really have to do anything for him. You just be aware of him. But it's it's not even like thermals. He hunts all flatland farm country, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but you still have to be worried about the wind. Yeah. Do you guys even do any stands where the stand is? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's that's like my dad. The first year I shot my deer when I was twelve. He sat in his deer stand the next few days, knowing that it doesn't matter if I shoot a deer or not. I don't care. So he's out there farting around. He lights up a cigarette. He blows the smoke in the air. Yeah. Okay. Well, ten minutes later, a deer comes walking up to him. It was a doe. He couldn't shoot it. So he pulls out another cigarette and he's blowing that smoke in the air. And the deer sit there and almost got on its hind legs, smelling this. Because <laughs> they're trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Just trying. Yeah. The guy curious and he kept walking towards him. And he's like, "That's a bunch of shit. I can do whatever I want in <laughs> <a> deer stand." <laughs> yeah. It seems like the only people like obviously because like with bow hunting, you're trying to get it within so close, right? 
So, like, you always have the bow hunters. They're the real anal people about, oh, I got to wash my clothes, put it in these totes. You can't, you know, all this, spray myself down, which I'm really picky about it. Yeah. But then you get people that go up on, like, the Orange Army on in November. It's, the stand's been in the same spot for 40 years, north wind, south wind, doesn't matter. And they're up there pissing off the stand, chewing. You guys don't do that? You I guys do don't pee off the stand? Yeah, you can. I started to, just because I've heard, like, a lot of these big guys that, they th- they say deer don't know the difference between your piss and their piss. Okay. So like they'll go up to a scrape and they'll pee in the scrape. That's what a lot of guys will pee in scrapes, like their mock yeah. scrape. I've heard of that. Yeah. Because yeah. I think after a certain amount of hours, it turns into just ammonia and your human sense kind of gone. Yeah. And then I've heard other professionals say they can tell the difference because of the food you eat. You do, you're not eating grass and corn, you know. But they might be have something to do with a couple hours. Oh. I'm so into it. I eat grass, corn, silage, and all that <laughs> shit before I go. No, actually, one of the guys I hunt with, he's got a bathroom in his deer stand. It's just a PVC pipe funnel. with a big uh, um, funnel on top, and he dug it down. I don't know. It goes down like five feet into a bunch of rock. Yeah. So he just pisses in that. But... I've seen a couple of those stands up north. Just a little PVC pipe running right down the middle, right yep. to the ground. Yep. yep. I don't know. I just pee up the stand. One of my buddies, though, when we went out deer hunting at his place, uh, we were hunting right next to the pasture, cow pasture. He made sure both of us would step through cow shit, fresh cow pies, before we would get in our deer stands. Oh, hide your Just kind of, yeah, mask it a little bit. Well, and that's like a lot of people, they do the bonfire deal. What's that? They'll, ha- they'll have all their clothes out, and they'll start oh. like a bonfire, so it all smells like bonfire smoke. It's a strong smell. I'm and sure it, it probably wouldn't. And deer are used to supposedly used to it and they get curious when they smell that smoke i'm sure and it might draw them in who knows i thought yeah. about trying that but i i would oh i couldn't stand smelling like that all the time that'd be tough <laughs> oh it takes seems like it takes forever to get that smell off of you i don't know the guys we hunt with they brew coffee and i warm up pizza over the stove and the deer stand <laughs> <laughs> i've warmed up spam over the buddy heater before Ooh, dang that's not that sounds really good i didn't shoot anything though <laughs> but Okay, so we'll kind of wrap her up here. What uh so what's the brotherhood goals for this year's waterfall season? You guys can go individually. We're off to such a good start here. Let's yeah. think here. Two, two, two Shoot geese. more than one bird. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot twenty five that you can eat. Yeah. yeah. That'd be nice. Um for teal, I would say if we could get, you know, one limited teal this weekend would be pretty successful in my eyes, which is six. A piece, you know, that'd be nice. I think that'd be a good goal. I can't guarantee anything on geese this weekend. I, yeah, I don't know. If we shot three geese, I'd be happy. So, a uh, total limit of each of you shooting six for the whole weekend, or one hunt shooting your six? We'll go low. We'll just say over the weekend. Over the weekend, let's just shoot two birds, so we're better than North Dakota. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we've got to keep it realistic. You know, it's so, I mean, we have goals, obviously, and, you know, we do all our own meat processing. Yep. So, like last year, we had all our, you know, geese and ducks. We eat the better ducks and then grind up the divers with the geese. And then we do summer sausage, usually, or uh, some hot breakfast sausage. We've tried sticks in the past, too, jerky. So, we've done yeah. it all. Um, you know, we do eat everything we shoot and we take it seriously, but it's hard to say what the year is going to bring. I mean, it, it depends. We used to coach football, so we never had times. We were always coaching. Reese coached ninth grade. I coached varsity. And then it would be farming. And then now we both got these things called girlfriends. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nope, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And they take some time. 
they take some time away from hunting at times. So you just got to get them to like it enough where they'll go every once in a while, but not all the time. Not all. The time. I heard your last podcast yeah. with AJ. <laughs> with AJ, so. his I've talked. I've met his girlfriend like multiple times. And I, I should say not multiple. Like, I see her, like, every day when I stop for a beer after work. Um, and she's really – she's she's got the drive for it. Like, I give it to her. She's always talking about it. And I'm just like, damn. that's It's like a 16-year-old kid going out in a – or a 14-year-old kid going out on a youth hunt. Yeah. But what's your uh, – I guess both of you guys deer hunt. That's going to take a lot more time for me this year because I have two park hunts this year, and then we do opener down uh, southeastern Minnesota. So I've already got five weekends allocated to just deer hunting. But I would like to get out, and goal would probably be actually shoot some geese in a field. That'd be nice. That'd be my goal. Deer hunting? No, no, not for deer hunting. <laughs> Although I could have done you that last year. You can do the arrow year. thing. I mean, whatever. Last year, they were flying right over me and circling. I could have shot them, but it's <laughs> 20 bucks an arrow, so it's pretty expensive. But no, I guess for deer hunting, just shoot a deer. I don't know. Yeah, shoot a deer. One shoot. deer. It doesn't yeah. matter the sex. Last year, I passed on a doe opening morning, and I never had another opportunity the rest of the season, so I kicked myself in the ass for just not taking that doe, but... Yeah. You're always hoping for the thirty point, you know. You're just like, oh, you never know. What is that? What's the saying? Don't don't pass something on the first day that you wouldn't pass on the last day. They'd shoot on the last day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just need to get a a bonus tag, so that way you don't have to worry about using up your buck tag. Yeah. Which true. what are they now? I haven't bought my bow like license. Twenty bucks. Oh, uh, tag. Yeah, maybe bucks, twenty bucks. Twenty four bucks or something. I don't know. Sure. They they get more expensive every year. It seems like it goes up a buck or two. Yeah, right. but inflation. <laughs> oh, Biden! Oh, the wood price. The wood prices are going up. So yeah. here comes all the conservation fees for the wood. How about you, Tim? What's your goal for deer hunting this year? My goal is to get my daughter Addie to shoot her first deer. I don't care if I shoot one. I really don't. Not until I kick her out of the stand. Uh, but Wyatt shot his first deer the first year he got out of my stand, and I missed it. So I want to see her shoe one yet. So that's my goal. Did you um, uh, did you figure out any more on the firearm safety class? No, that's one of the things I want to do some research on. So any of you guys out there that are in this uh, situation I'm in, here's here's our deal. The last two years, uh, my daughter has not been able to get in for the uh, firearm safety to get the uh, certificate. So she, we did the uh, what do they call it? It's a uh, uh, not apprentice hunt, um, but it's something similar to that. They kind of forgive you for X amount of years. You only get two ch- two of these of, in a lifetime before you need to get your um, your certificate. And I apologize, I can't I can't think of what the, it's actually called. But so she used up her two times. So with COVID and all this kind of crap going on, we're kind of SOL right now. Um, so I really wanted to have her. I don't think any kid. I'm really against the online courses. Um, for the book part, I really like to see his kids go in and listen to these old timers. Cause it's kind of cool why I took his class with the, and the same instructor was there that I took mine with. It's crazy. <laughs> and I think he's still doing it too, but they get to listen to the stories and, and it's, I think they can drive that message home. We talked a little bit about, well, by accident, gun safety earlier. And I think that they really need to have this in-class training. But I think we're going to have to just 
bite the bullet and just have her. She's a smart kid. She'll pick it up. Um, we're going to start actually, I think, this week and get her going on the uh, online course. And then she'll have to find a field day somewhere, which those are very hard to find. You're going to have to drive all over the freaking state mm-hmm. just to get in. So we're going to be scrambling. It's going to be tough. I, I really hope we get something done here um, in the next month or so. We're going to have to get it done soon. Why you just have her go out with me and Gene? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that's all. Awesome. Whatever he does, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is what not to do. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, that's my main, my main goal. All right. You guys want cover anything else i don't think so we're just excited to kick it off this year and like we talked you know last year we we're excited to kind of be the opening podcast for waterfall obviously that's our oh, passion yeah. so thank you guys for having us on of it's course. actually it's nice to have you guys on like because last year you guys came on in uh like february or whatever it was in the winter time it was actually december it was like november yeah something like that and then yeah, then it was like it came on talked a little turkey hunting and now it's you guys thrive on waterfall so i can't wait to see the pictures come in and and all that and speaking of that are you going to the ducks unlimited gun bash when on is September, that again? september 13th september 13th in buffalo minnesota in buffalo minnesota it's usually <laughs> at Wico's bowling alley uh let me think i'm not 100 percent sure i am are you i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i should go like i i i'll have to see that's that's one of those things where it's kind of nice where you can it's like a banquet so like you can just show up right uh, hopefully like the covid shit stays away so that you can actually show up and do it you don't have to pre-register they don't do it online because you guys did you guys do it online last year and you there's like a big like live that was thing? for the general banquet so for the i've never done the gun bash to be honest oh really so is this different than me. the one we did in the spring or is yeah. it the same thing just... this is the 100 bucks a ticket and then it gets you a chance at like a bunch of different guns it's only guns at this one you can mm-hmm. only win a gun oh there's not a general raffle and stuff right. like that. okay brother mitch won, he won an ar a couple years ago mm-hmm. at this one so it's it's a good deal it's just it's it seems like a lot of money up front but it's funny because we all went to the spring banquet and <laughs> i bet i spent three four hundred dollars there yeah. you know what i mean but yeah. it's like a oh, hundred dollars a ticket god that's a lot of money but and i don't even know what the it's like one in let's just say like 25 chance that you're gonna win a gun which i think it might be pretty close to that i thought it was like one in 13 or, or something yeah ridiculous. i think it's, this one's a little bit better yeah and they have all sorts of stuff so anybody out there Go to the gun bash and maybe get yourself a new shotgun before waterfall season or a new uh, rifle or whatever for deer hunting. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good cause. We're uh, so what, what are your guys' social content? How can people follow you guys? Uh, Brotherhood hunting on Facebook and Reese has the Instagram handle. I think it's just Brotherhood hunting or is it BH hunting? I'll have to look. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, man. You're not ready for that? It's been a while. Yeah, it's well, been busy. Yeah, we're ready to start posting again here and kind of kick it off this weekend. And we'll obviously shout out the podcast tomorrow morning. So it is BH Hunting on Instagram. Nice. Can't wait. Hopefully, have some good pictures. Yeah. I can't wait to see all your guys' pictures. I hope you guys do really good early teal. Yeah. Be fun to get some pretty pictures. They're such a pretty bird. They're fast. They're like little 747s flying in. It's just crazy. Yeah. So to con- continue on this Minnesota goodbye, um, <laughs> which I'm really good at, I guess, is can do you call teal in, or are they just one that just kind of flies in and then they're out? Like, I have a it, teal call. They have a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have, and they have like that five and one call, which I think one of it, one of the calls on it's a teal. 
and then you have an actual just straight teal call. A duck commander. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I've DC, never really nice. I've never really called them. We've never targeted just teal. Right. So we've always just a bonus. What do they yeah. sound like? They got like a little peep. It's kind of like a isn't it kind of just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kinda, I like that, it's honestly. It's kind of like that. No. No. It's a it's a sparrow. <laughs> and I was watching some the other day. They're all grouped up. I didn't hear any of them making any noise when they're flying around and there's 100 150 in a group but they're quiet except for their they do sound like a jet coming through they it's they're fast oh, so yeah. what are you guys using for shells now do you switch it up for teal and goose or are you just shoot, shooting the same thing because I've, I've done it both ways where you have uh what is it like six shot or five shot yeah early season a, for teal switch like out. this you could probably run four or five or six it really doesn't matter um i got some threes which maybe a little bit on the heavier side but i'm just gonna run threes this weekend for goose if i was we're just targeting goose i would go with bb typically so that's how I, that's what i run a lot of guys you know do it up different but i feel like that's gonna be adequate for what we're doing i can't wait to see all right, I want to add something real quick. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the uh, deal I was talking about with uh, Addie not being able to get her uh, gun safety. So what it is called is an apprentice hunter validation, and you can only do this uh, two licensed years in a lifetime. So she's done it twice now, so we're done. It's only $3.50. So this is one other way, too, if, if uh, for you families with little kids out there that um, don't have the time to really get into that uh, the firearm safety program, and you just want to give it a try, this is one good way for you to go out there and at least give it a try to see if they're going to like hunting. So Nice. If you don't want to be dedicated, you know, it. I can't remember what it is. It's it's like there's quite a few hours involved into that classroom training. Now with the online training, it is uh, uh, probably doesn't take as long. But please do not go out and uh, try to pass this for your kids. Make them go through it. Oh, yeah. They, they need to read this stuff firsthand and, and you know, get this ingrained in their, their mind that or else we're going to have way more bad accidents out there than uh we need to so okay well, is that take care of that is that two-year apprenticeship is that you can use that at any age you can use it at any day any age i believe you have to if you're born after 1979 i believe is what it was i think before that you're uh if you're born before that you're grandfathered in i believe oh okay i read something like that on here too but yeah you can use it say when you're uh 14 and then if you don't use it again you can use it when you're 20 mm. so anytime during your lifetime so that you guys with your girlfriends. True. Deer hunting. If you want to go sit in the saddle with her. <laughs> Reese said his girlfriend <laughs> smells too pretty. <laughs> she doesn't do mornings, so deer hunting I think is kinda out. Well, perfect. So I think I think Jeff Foxworthy explained the or no, it was Jeff, or maybe it was Bill Engvall. He talked about his wife going deer hunting with him too. So <laughs> Yeah, listen to that before you take him out. <laughs> I took Brittany out once last year in the ground blind. I did it up nice, kinda I think you took Mariah out this way too, like a, a ground blind with a buddy heater just mm-hmm. to keep him warm. And like she enjoyed that. So I have that many had candles. I was thinking like you did it up nice, like you had lights in we there. We had the slow jams playing <laughs> the little portable speaker <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just came right in yeah <laughs> but all right well thank you guys for coming on yeah thanks yeah, for thank you us. yeah good luck with uh bow hunting reese good luck with duck hunting and uh hopefully you guys i want to i want to see someone get a band around here me too yeah um, good luck with that hey you never know. Did it last opener yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true he's wearing brotherhood hat he I mean, was just that saying is true <laughs> but 
Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Again, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm Mac. I'm Tim. And uh, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Border Outdoors podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Links are provided at borderoutdoors.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends, and we'll see you at the border.